0: Well, good morning. good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good. The fourth is over. We're thinking about the fall. And I got to say, I'm pretty excited today. This is as close as I'm ever going to get to Rockstar right here, <laughs> standing in front of this. So I'm enjoying this. Uh, thanks for being with us this morning. We're kicking off a new series. In case you hadn't guessed yet, it's called Shine. And we're going to talk about worship. And when I say the word worship, you probably think of something like this. Your thoughts and my thoughts immediately go to sitting in a room or standing in a room like this, gathered together and worshiping. And there's a lot of different reasons and a lot of different ways we might worship. Some people worship because it's the religious thing to do. Religion would say that we need to earn God's favor and we come to church because I've got a doctor's appointment coming up and they're not sure what that spot is, so I need to make sure I go to church. So the big guy's on my side. Or I've got a job interview and I better check in with him and and pop in and make sure God and I are okay before the big interview. That's what religion would say is, if I do something, then God will do something. Ritual is another reason we might show up for church. Well, it's, it's what we were brought up to do and that's a good thing. My parents brought me to church, so I bring my kids to church. Or, man, I just feel like I'm ought to, or I should, or I feel guilty if I don't. So so r- ritual would say, man, I better go at least once in a while, pop in and check in on the big guy. You know what? We're going to discover over these next four weeks, worship is so much more than that. It's a lifestyle that you and I get to live where we encounter the living God on a daily basis. Where there's a rhythm to it each day. We're encountering God. There's a rhythm to gathering weekly and worshiping Him together with others. And we, we enjoy a lifestyle of worship. Now, worship has several definitions. But one I, I liked was adoring reverence. Adoring reverence. I feel like Krispy Kreme donuts, something I worship. There's some adoring reverence about them. When that red, that light, that uh, hot light's on, I get my worship on. Okay. I went in there the other day and they said, the light wasn't on, but I didn't want to miss out, right? So I asked anyway. I said, I don't know. I said, I I didn't say I didn't know. I just said, look, do you guys got any hot donuts? They said, no. I said, she said, sir, the light's not on. I said, I know the light's not on, but I didn't want to miss out in case you still got some warm ones back there. Adoring reverence is so much more than just showing up in a place or, or sitting for an hour. It's about giving God something, giving God what he's, he's due. That, that very definition will change how we approach every Sunday morning as we gather. It's not about getting, it's about giving God his due. It'll change how we approach every day, that every day is an opportunity to encounter the living God in such a way that our problems and our worries and our cares, they shrink and they shrink, and they disappear, and God grows and grows and grows, and His magnificence and His sufficiency is all we'll ever need. And that's what it looks like to worship, and that's what it looks like to shine, when God becomes our all in all. I want to take you to a passage in Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus talks about this idea. He had begun His ministry, and He started with an amazing sermon the Sermon on the Mount, and he had gathered a bunch of followers to him. And so he began to explain to them this crowd of people. He lays out the expectations. He lays out what it looks like to be a follower of, her, of his. And this is what he says. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. He's looking at a bunch of hungry, meager, substance, uh, barely getting by kind of people. And he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put a bowl under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and praise and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus says we can't hide what we are. What we are should come pouring And as a follower of Jesus Christ, our love for Him and our affection for Him is to be a 24-hour endeavor where we naturally pour out of worship for Him. He's trying to break a group of people out of thinking. you got to remember who he's talking to, these Jewish believers. They thought worship meant going to the temple. They thought worship meant sacrificing an animal. They thought worship was about following the rituals and the festivals and the traditions of their elders. And in that, if they did that, then their worship would be acceptable to God. Guess where we are today? Really, we're in the same place in a different mode. We think that if we we come to church and we, we do these certain things, then God is pleased with our worship. We've equated being a Christ follower with church attendance. Sitting for an hour on a Sunday. Whether you believe that, that is what our culture conveys. And if that was true, I I got news for you, we could all be making a ton of money because we could all go to the hospital for one hour a week and sit in the hospital room and in in a few years we'd be doctors, okay? If that would work, we could all become doctors, wouldn't that be amazing? To sitting here, gathering in this place, being together in worship is critically important. And we're going to talk about that all week next week. But what I want you to see this morning is worshiping together here is only a part, an important part of a much bigger picture that not only is Sunday to be about worship, but our lives are to be about worship. Jesus said, you and me. Common folks like us, great people like you, insignificant people like me, whoever, in anyone in this room, our lives are to shine. So what's that mean? Does that mean that we discipline ourselves and if we rigorously follow the rules, that that shine? Does it mean that we, if we behave ourselves and ruthlessly root out the behaviors that are unpleasing to God, that that's what it means to shine? Does it mean that we just put on a smile and a good face and put up a good front for people throughout the day? Does it mean that we put our radio on a certain station and we just listen to Christian music all day? I would say all of those are are incomplete. See, shining is, is really none of that at all. And later, Jesus in the book of John clarifies what he means by this light and what it means to shine. John 8, 12, he says this, I... I am the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, he's clear here. He is the light. But a minute ago, he said, we're the light, right? Well, here's how that works. When we step into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, his light becomes our light. And his life becomes our our life. And when we shine, it's simply God shining His light through us. He is the light of the world. And He was calling people in the Sermon on the Mount to say, and my light can be in you, and my light it can help you. And when you're in darkness, you can have light and you'll know your way. And when you are sick of sin, you can find a way out. I can bring hope and healing to any situation because I'm the light and you can have that light. It's a message of great hope. And when we step into that light, we'll find the ability to love the unlovable. We'll find the ability to forgive the most unpardonable sins because God's light is stronger than any darkness. We find the ability to find contentment and satisfaction in our daily lives because all that good in us is Jesus shining His light through us only made possible by him you think about it, the best analogy I can think of is is the, is the sun and the moon? You think, why did God create the moon? Does the moon have a light? Is that a is that like your night light in the sky? Is there a little light bulb inside there? No. God made the, light, the moon to reflect the light of what the sun. See, the sun is the source of the light, and the moon simply has to reflect the light that is shined off of it, and it gives light to all those around it. Guys, that is the, is the picture of what we are to do in a life that shines, is we orient our lives in such a way that the light of the sun reflects off of us, and then it, we can shine to those around us. See, the moon exists to reflect the sun's light. You exist to reflect the greatness of God. You may not have thought that. You may not even believe that at this moment. But I can tell you, every single one of us, we were all created for one singular purpose. And that was to take the light of the glorious God and reflect it off of ourselves and into the lives of other people. To bask in the light of who God is, His greatness, His magnificence, His love, His mercy, His generosity, His kindness, His patience, and we bask in that beautiful light, and it's so overwhelmingly great, we can't help but reflect it into the lives of others. Man, that, when Jesus said, you are the light of the world, that's what He's describing. You are that light. Can I tell you something? God's saying, I made you. If he could grab you by the cheeks, say, I like just how I made you. Oh, you're mine. I love you, pinching your cheeks. Didn't you hate that? Someone pinch your cheeks? Anybody a pin- cheek pincher in here? We don't like that if that's you. Stop doing that. But if God could just grab you by the cheeks, say, I made you just the way I made you to reflect my light. Now go reflect me. Because I can tell you this. We are either reflecting His light or we are rejecting His light. There's no middle ground in this, guys. Every single moment of the day, you and I have a choice. We are either reflecting His light or rejecting His light. I got a little analogy I want to use here. When you think of reflecting light, you can think of a mirror, right? The mirror reflects light. And if I... Turn the mirror to me, I see me. Wrinkles and everything. See where I miss shaving? couple spots there. But if I turn the light, and if I only turn the mirror to me, all I see is an image and reflection of myself. But if I turn the mirror towards the light, what does it do? What's it do, Casey? It reflects the light. I was was messing with her daughter earlier. It reflects the light, right? Is that annoying or what? All right. Fun for the pastor, though. Fun for the pastor. Alright. Here's the deal, guys. God made you in his image. He made you in such a way that you and I have the capacity and the ability to reflect him. We are unique in his creation. We alone are made in His image, and that means we are uniquely made in order to reflect His attributes, His caringness, His generosity to others. So you think you exist to make a living, to raise kids, to make it to retirement. That sounds pretty good. You think you exist to be a success or make a name for yourself, but I can tell you this, you exist to shine God's light into the lives of others. That's why each one of us exists. Your top to-do list is to reflect the light and glory of God into others' lives. You were made to shine. This morning, I want us to believe that and, and accept that and, and embrace that. That it, it doesn't matter what our past has been. We're going to see a story later in the sermon. There's, it doesn't matter where you've been. You and I can start today and from this day forward every day, make it our great intent to embrace and enjoy the light of God and reflect it to others. Now, the question would be how? How do we do that? I want you to look at Romans chapter one, verse uh, chapter twelve, verse one, and Paul says it this way. He says, "Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God." And look, look at this. This is your true and proper. What's the last word? Worship. He's saying, listen, worship isn't just about gathering here on Sundays. It isn't just about the the animal sacrifice of the Old Testament. It's actually what we do with our lives that God considers worship. Jesus made the sacrifice. They used to take animals and kill them and the blood was spread and they did all these things to cover their sin and that's how they worship God. And then Jesus Christ came and He shed His blood and that blood made payment for all of our sin so that you and I no longer are bound to a ritualistic worship where we have to go to a certain place and follow certain rules. You and I are now at liberty and free to worship God all the time. Everywhere. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, there was a veil, a thick, carpety kind of material that kept people out of the holy place. And when Jesus died on the cross, that veil was torn. And God said, I've opened the door. Now I have access to every single one of you. And my light is now in you. So shine me. So to shine. It's a deliberate choice on our part. Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. When I take this mirror and I shine it at myself, I can only reflect myself. And the light cannot be reflected. But as I choose to turn towards the light and shine and point myself and orient myself to the light, then I'm able to shine the light. What that means for us is, if I'm making my day about me, if I'm making my priorities about me, if my goals in my life are about me, then all we're ever going to do is reflect ourselves back to ourselves. And I'll be honest with you, I get tired of looking at that mug. Thankfully, Gabriel does not. But when we decide to take this thing, this mirror that we have, and we shine it at God, we decide to say, listen, it's not my priorities anymore, it's your priorities. It's not what I say goes, it's what you say goes. It's not what I feel like doing, it's what you say I should do. God, it's not those things that I choose, it's the things that you choose that matter. That's what it means to truly worship God with our lives. He says this, he says, um, he says, if we're going to do that, we have to climb upon an altar as a living sacrifice. Think about that for a second. God is asking each one of us to make a decision. This is not an easy decision. To say, I'm going to tired of, of reflecting me and I'm going to reflect you. That is a conscious choice to die to ourselves. Because when you crawl up on the altar, there's only one thing you can do up on an altar. And that is to die. And when we learn to die to ourselves we begin to become alive to God and we our worship with God exponentially takes off and his desires become our desires and we find that we exist to reflect his greatness Now, I think it's interesting. Not only does he say we have to be a living sacrifice where we choose to crawl upon the altar and die to ourself and live for God. But he also says in order to do that, you have to offer your body. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? He could have said you could offer your mind or offer your beliefs or offer your heart. But he doesn't say that. He says offer your body as a living sacrifice. He says, it's not really what you feel or what you believe or what you think. More so than even those things, it's what you do with your mouth and your hand and your feet and your body. Because that's what's worship to me. Remember that song we sang in Sunday school? How many of you went to Sunday school growing up? Okay, okay. I should get the flannel graph out. <laughs> Y'all be right at home. <laughs> oh, be careful, little lies, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. You sing along. For the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. For the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little, where you go. Yeah! That had some great theology saying, listen, worship me with your eyes. Worship me with your mouth. Worship me with your feet. Worship me with your hands. And of course, worship me with your heart. But don't tell me your heart is there and your mind is there if your mouth and your eyes and your hands and your feet and your body isn't there. We are fooling ourselves if we think we're worshiping our God, but all these other things are not. Worshiping Him. So be careful. So be careful. This is how we actually worship God. He says, listen, I don't need your sacrifices. What I love is a contrite and pure heart. That is pure worship to me. It comes down to our daily choices. And if you think about this concept, that we were created to shine and reflect God all the time, then this isn't your sanctuary so much as the world is now our sanctuary. When we step out of those doors, we're still in worship service. When we go home and and we're interacting with our families, we are in worship. When we go to our job, when we go to our school, wherever we go, we are in the middle of the presence of the holy God, and He's calling us to reflect Him in those places and to worship Him in those moments and with those people. That is what worship is. So if you want to worship Jesus, turn more and more of yourself towards Him. Can I tell you, we, are all, we all start life like this, focused on ourselves. We all start most days... With this mirror pointed right at ourselves. And when we choose to start reorienting our lives, start turning, God, I'm wrong here. God, my mouth is wrong. God, my hands are wrong. God, I need your help here. God, I wanna, I wanna lay down my mind to you. God, my heart is in the wrong place. God, I start turning myself. And the more we turn to God, the more we're able to worship our God. See, the more you offer to God, the more you shine. The more you offer to God, the more you shine. You have parts of your life and I have parts of my life that we say, God, I'll give you this piece, but not this piece. But when we begin to let go of those places that we don't want God in and he starts to shine in those, the more we turn to him, I can tell you this, the more you and I will shine for him. I don't know about you, but I realize all the time this thing's pointed at me. I I realize it all the time. How did that mirror get pointed back at me? And, And when we do, here's what we do. We say, God, I'm wrong. God, I'm focused on myself. God, I've made this about me somehow. And God, I want you to step in right here. And change me. Step in right here and make this about you and not about me. God, forgive me for making it about me. I Man, we could talk about this all morning, but I think an example probably says it all. There was a, a woman in Jewish society. The Bible doesn't tell us a lot about her, but it said she lived a sinful life. She was that person in the village that everyone looked down on. She had no social standing. An outcast. And she realized that her mirror had been pointing at herself. She realized that it had been all about her. And when Jesus came to her place, she sought him out. And here's what she did. It says, a woman in that town, this is Luke 7, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. First of all, she was not welcomed in that home. They did not want her there. She was not welcome there. She probably had to force herself in. But she he's eating at the home of a Pharisee. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. I mean, this is a beautiful example. If you want to talk about offering your body as a living sacrifice, she offered all that she had in her money to buy a jar of perfume that cost her weeks and weeks and weeks of wages. She humbled himself and knelt before him, got down on her knees, and she cried tears of repentance, knowing that she had made it about herself, but willing to make it about God. She cried tears of repentance. She took her hair and she used it as a rag, and those feet would have been filthy with the dust of the road and the dust of the town, and she wiped her hair in the dirt of Jesus' feet. I mean, you could literally say she offered her entire self to him. That's worship. You say, how could she do that? How could she so completely? She didn't care what the Pharisees thought. She didn't care about any of that. She found found a point in life where she could start new, making her life a time of worship for God. Now, here's what I've realized. She could do that for one reason. The more you realize what God has done, the more you will offer yourself to Him. The more you realize what God has done for you, the more willing, the more able, the more joyfully you will offer the the parts of yourself to God. She knew that she was broken. She knew that she was a sinner. She knew that she was in the wrong. She lived a life of condemnation, shame, and guilt. And when she came to Jesus... She knew what she, he, had, he was going to do for her, to offer her forgiveness and a new start. I think the psalmist maybe even said it best for us in Psalm 40. He says this, what has God done for you and I? You say, he's, He did a great thing in my week this week, or, or He didn't come through with my in, my, in this last week. Here's what He has done for every single one of us, if we're willing. In the Psalms, it says this, He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the muck and the mire, And he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. See, this woman had been in a bad place. Her sin had trapped her in a corner and Jesus was her only way out. The psalmist had gotten to this place where he realized even the best day he was in mud, he was in mire and he needed someone to reach down and lift him out. Guys, our sin puts us in such a place where we are trapped and we are all about ourselves. And yet Jesus Christ came to rescue us and lift us out. He came to offer forgiveness and and purity and life in Him, a new life. See, God doesn't want to fix your old life. He wants to give you a new life altogether. And He wants you to shine. And He's waiting on you and I to respond. He's offered Himself up on a cross. He rose from the dead that you and I might have life. And now He's waiting on a response from you and I that says, Yes, I believe. Yes, I need forgiveness. Yes, I'm in that mud. And I believe Jesus Christ can rescue me and pull me out. That's what His offer is for you this morning. If you will simply believe that Jesus' death and resurrection is your payment for all of your sin... You can find forgiveness in Him. How do I do that? I just, I just turn for myself and I turn to Him. I said, Jesus, take me right where I am. All my warts, all my flaws, all my failures. You know my past. God, I have blown it, but I'm just offering myself to you because you gave your life for me. And I turn and find forgiveness like the young lady did. Maybe that's the step you need to take this morning. You've never fully offered yourself to Jesus Christ and said, I want you to have all of me because you died for me. Will you just simply in a moment as we pray, would you just allow God to take your life because He gave His life for you? Maybe what we need to do this morning is reorient our lives to the fact that we're no longer going to reflect ourselves, but to reflect Him. In fact, there may be a place, you know, if we're going to worship God twenty four seven, we need to do this everywhere we go. But there may be a specific place God's put it on your heart that you say, in my family or in my workplace or in my neighborhood or in this relationship, I have not been reflecting Christ. I've been reflecting myself. And God wants you to climb up on the altar and lay down your life, die to yourself, and let His life shine through you. Let's pray together. God, I'm still amazed. I'm still amazed that you made us in your image. We are unique in that, God. There's no one, nothing else in creation that can so perfectly reflect your image, but us. And yet, God, we come smart and broken and tainted by sin. And, and our first step in order to reflect you and have a life, a new life in you, is to lay down our life to you because you lay down yours for us. And so Jesus, this morning, I, I know that there's someone here that needs to make that decision to simply say, I'm surrendering. I give up. I give over. I turn from my sin and myself and I turn to you, Jesus. Just tell him that now. If that's you, just, God, I turn from myself and I'm turning to Jesus as my forgiver, as my savior, as my creator, and as my friend. And God, for each one of us, every day our choice, every moment our choice is to reflect you or to reject you. God, I pray that when we find ourselves in that moments where we're not reflecting you, that we would turn ourselves intentionally to you and let your light shine in our lives so we can reflect it in others. When we can't love others, that we would invite your love in that we might love others. When we can't seem to forgive, that we'll invite your forgiveness in so that we can forgive others. God, when we can't seem to find contentment, we'll, we'll ask for your peace, and your peace would infiltrate in, and it would bring calm and clarity in, in, in life. God, help us reflect you and let our life, our lifestyle be worship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.